So this afternoon, I want to I preach a message out of the book of John, chapter 11. And when you get there, say amen, book of John, chapter 11. And I want to preach a message entitled, The Comfort Christ Gives. The Comfort Christ Gives. Now, um, we've been speaking out of, uh, a couple weeks ago I talked about Jesus as the true vine. And the book of John, there's seven statements, there are I am statements that Jesus has said. Now, I am is a big, big term that no one can use except for God used in the book of Exodus. Uh, when he came to the children of Israel, he says, I am that I am. And we know that whatever we need in our life, that Jesus is the I am. That we can come to him in faith and knowing that he's going to help us. He's going to give us uh, the grace, the strength for you and I to get to that place that he's called us and ordained for us to be. What does it require? It requires that you and I repent of our sin. That we turn to him, fully turn to him and say, God, I'm forsaking my sin. And I know a lot of churches, a lot of people don't like to talk about sin, but sin is a disease that we all have. It's a curse that came from Adam when he, when in the garden there. And it's something that we all live with, but praise God, God provided a way that you and I can have freedom through Jesus Christ. When he came and he died on the, the cross for us, there's so many promises that go with it. But we're going to be looking at the I am statements, and we talked about Jesus. He said, I am the true vine. But today we're going to talk about Jesus where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. Now, for me, last year was a tough year. I remember in June of last year, I was going to sleep probably about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And I remember getting a call and I didn't know who it was. I usually don't get calls at 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. But I got a call and I felt, I felt led to answer it. Now, if you call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, I probably won't answer it. Just telling you now. But this one, I felt led. Unless I'm led. Amen. The same thing with you. If I call you at 3 o'clock in the morning, unless you're led, answer it. But I don't think I will be calling you at 3 o'clock in the morning. All right. So I answered the phone. And it was my friend. And he was, my friend was uh, telling me that his brother had just passed away. And the ambulance had just picked him up. Now, his brother was a, one of, an awesome brother there in Porterville when I was pastoring over there. And he was only 30 years old, and he had passed away. He had went to be with the Lord. But I remember answering that call, and I remember asking myself, you know, I just uh, told him happy birthday a couple of months before. But asking myself, you know, God, how am I going to get through this? this? And God, why did this happen like this? And Lord, what can I encourage the family with? And I remember driving to go visit the family, me and my wife. And I just remember seeing, uh, seeing them and and having to be right there, and instead of me encouraging the mother, the mother encouraging me. And it was something that was so awesome, so powerful, but I just want to say that that time in my life, that, that month, and even still now, I still think about that brother and how, how it was a time of, of God, what's going on? God, why? God, what, what led to this? What, what's... He was supposed to live a much longer life. I didn't understand it. I, I was very discouraged. And, you know, a lot of times people think that, um, that when someone gets ordained, they're like have superhuman strength. Well, you know what? When I got ordained, I didn't get a halo over my head or anything like that. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a man. I still need Jesus just like you need Jesus. But I have a calling over my life. There's a calling. It's, it's a true calling. And that's what God does when he ordains men. He calls men and women for his kingdom. And that's, that's what God has done. 
But I remember just being discouraged and asking God, why? Have you ever been discouraged and said, God, why? Maybe today you're in that place right now, or maybe you just came out of a year like that, and you're like, God, why did this happen? Why did I lose the loved one to, to this thing or to that thing? And many of us were facing heartache because we have friends and family members who have been affected by the coronavirus. Some who have went to be with the Lord, some who have passed away. But today, as we read this text and we get into the word of God, we're going to see Jesus, why he's the I am. In the book of John, there's seven statements. We know he says, I am the true vine, John 15, 1. We know he says, I am the door, John 10, 7. We know he says, I am the way, the truth, and the... We know he says, I am the bread of life. We know he says, I am the light of the world. We know he says, I am the good shepherd. And today we're going to be looking at him as, I am the resurrection and the life. Now the Bible says he's talking to Martha. In the book of John chapter 11 verse 25, he says this, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Why don't we pray this afternoon. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, right now I just give you all the glory. I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would encourage hearts. I pray if there's anyone facing grief and heartache, that you would give them strength, you would give them hope, Lord. I pray right now that you would encourage lives, you would encourage couples, marriages today. I pray, Lord, even for those who are watching online, they're in their homes or in their cars, at their jobs, Lord, that you would encourage them, you would strengthen them, you would help them, Lord. And we'll be sure to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Now, as you and I look at this text, Jesus is go talking to Martha, who was a very good friend. We know that her sister was Mary, and we know that their brother was Lazarus. And Jesus is coming. He says these awesome words. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is a powerful statement that Jesus says. See, Jesus is not just a man. Jesus was God as well. Fully God. Fully man. The deity of Christ. We see something awesome that Jesus wasn't just a good prophet. Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now what does that say to you and I? That gives you and I hope as when you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And when you and I turn from our sin. And how many of us know we need to turn from our sin? Temptation and sin will always come our way. But you and I, we must turn from our sin and turn to who? Turn to Jesus. Say, God, I want to have victory inside of my life over this sin and over this temptation. And right now, if somebody's texting you, hey, let's go out and let's go clubbing tonight, you need to say, no, you know, you need to come to church this Thursday. You need to come to church this Thursday. Amen. You need to be there for prayer too. You need to be on time. Jesus was making a statement concerning his divine nature. He does more than give life. He is life. He does more than give life. He is life. 
And you and I as believers and Christians, when you and I entered into, you know, accepting him and turning from our sins, I want to tell you, what does the Bible say in Psalms? Forget not all his benefits. Have you ever had a job and you didn't have no benefits? That's the way, that's the way it is when you serve the devil. When you serve the devil, you, 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 you are no benefits. But when you step into life with Jesus... And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm preaching the gospel right here. When you step into new life with Jesus, say, God, I turn from that sin. I turn from that weed. I turn from that club. I turn from that temptation, online temptation. I turn to you, Lord, and I want you inside of my life. There's benefits. The Bible says, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. What was the greatest disease we had was sin. And the Bible says, you know, even if you're getting older today, and you know what, I'm looking at my hair, it's getting more gray and more gray and more gray. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to stop dyeing it now. I think I might just stop dying. I'm just wasting too much money. But you know what, when I get up to heaven, praise God, I'm not going to have to dye my hair no more. Because I'm going to have an incorruptible body. Some of you say, man, my knees hurt, my elbows hurt, my back hurts. You know, everything hurts. But you know what? When we, the Bible says in a twinkling of an eye, in a twinkling of an eye, the, the perishable is going to come imperishable. So these are the promises of God, and the promises of God are yes and amen for his glory. But the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11 through 12, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son he who has the son has life see when we were living for the devil we didn't have life see now when we accepted Christ in our life now what do we have we have truth we have we have his freedom we have true life the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53 this is a good verse to highlight first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 53 i hear our pages turning over there you know i told a joke to the church a couple of weeks ago and they were some of them were laughing and some of them were kind of mad at me i said you know what they call a christian who reads the bible on his phone she reads her bible on the phone they call them a phony christian Somebody's saying, I'm not coming back here. You know what? I'll have a Bible for you next week. It's going to be better on your eyes. All that blue light. No, but I remember buying a Bible for my kids. And uh, I put their names on it. Do you remember when you used to get Bibles and you put your name on it? And, and what did you do? You're just proud right there with your Bible. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, for this corruptible, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden, when my friend went to be with the Lord, began to look at verses like this. Oh, death, where is your sting? See, the, the one thing that all of us are going to experience in our life is every single one of us, we're going we're gonna to die. That's a guarantee. Every single one of us are going to die. But being in Christ, guess what? There's victory over death. There's victory over death. That, that's, that's something that's very encouraging to us, very encouraging to, to, to you and I. Maybe you lost a loved one recently, but you and I have these words that you and I can hope in. And we know that Jesus is what? A faithful friend. A faithful friend. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 1 through 6, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, behold, it, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was at. We see something very, very powerful. Jesus, he loved his friends. How many of you love your friends today? We, we love our friends. We care about our friends. Of our fr you know how you know you have a true friend? When you're moving, they'll help you. That's a true friend. When you, when you, you know, if you don't have a true friend, if you call, hey, I'm moving. Oh, you know, I'm really busy. I have to do this and that. That's not a true. If you're going to move, Jesus will be there with you. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But the Bible says that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but he still delayed in coming to them. How many of us ever been in that place where we're praying for something, but it just seems like, Jesus, you're taking too long? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, why, is this, why are you not answering this prayer for my unsafe son? Why are you not answering this prayer, God, inside of my life? And, and you're in that place. And maybe right now you're in that place or you feel like Jesus is delayed in coming. You're like, God, where are you right now? Where are you? I've been praying. I've been fasting. I just came off a 21-day fast, Lord. Where, where are you? I've been praying for this thing. I've been praying for that miracle, Lord. But where are you? Have you ever felt like Jesus was delayed in coming. I want to tell you this morning that although you may feel that, I want to tell you that Jesus is on his way. I'm going to say that one more time. And you can take this to the bank no matter what any devil demon will tell you. That Jesus is not coming. That Jesus has forgotten about you. I want to tell you that Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way. Jesus is going to return. He's going to return. He's coming very soon. Jesus is on his way. And we could be as Christians, as believers, say, man, Lord, look at all the wickedness. We've been praying. We've been fasting. Look what's going on in Washington. Look at who our president is and all this God and all that God. But I want to tell you that our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus is on his way. And he's not going to be delayed. When it's his time, he's going to be on time. See, we have our own schedule with Jesus. Like, Jesus, this shit already took place two weeks ago. Jesus, I should already been married. Jesus, I should already had this. I should already had that. But let me tell you, Jesus, when he comes, Jesus is on time. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is going to be on time for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he is on time. 
Book of John, chapter 11, verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that they had already, he had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Lazarus was dead for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Right here, as Jesus was on his way, as Jesus was there waiting, one of the things we see for Mary and Martha is things got worse. Have you ever been praying for something and things got bad, but then things just got worse? Sound like that kid agreed with me over there. He says, you, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about, preacher. <laughs> you know, have you ever been praying and things got bad, but then things, you didn't think things could get worse and then they just got worse? And inside of life, sometimes we're praying for something, we're waiting for something, and instead of things getting better, they get worse. Like I'm working through the Bible, and one of the things I love about our morning prayer, I don't know how many are part of it, but you can join our morning prayer group is that right now we're going through the Bible and we're working through the book of Exodus right now and we see Moses going to Pharaoh and trying to set the people free. God had called him to go set the captives free and what happened with Pharaoh? Did he get happy that they were leaving? No. Things got worse for the people of God. Things got worse before they got delivered. And a lot of times right before God's going to bring a breakthrough, Inside of our life, things get worse before they get better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're praying, you're believing, and sometimes things get worse before they get better. Now we see in this text that the Bible says that for four days, Lazarus was in the tomb. Now that's significant because the Jewish thought of the day, as they believed that for three days, the spirit of the person was lingering around them, and that they can come back, and if they came back, it wouldn't have really been a big miracle. But Jesus, he's in the miracle working business. You know, just last week, um, I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, uh, Pastor Danny, during Sunday service, um, as Pastor Ignacio was, you know, God was moving, the Holy Spirit was moving, he goes, I got healed in my knees. I got healed in my knees. He goes, the pain that was in my knees, it left me. And then another sister, she did the same, she came up to me right after, she and she's my aunt. She began to tell me what God was doing. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is awesome. But God's in the supernatural healing business. And when we come to church or wherever we may be, when we're worshiping God, God can work miracles. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a Bible degree to, to have faith. 
You can pray for the sick and they will recover. They will recover. And maybe you're in the place, you're not, Pastor Danny, I'm not sick. But maybe your marriage is, is devastating. You need healing in your marriage. I want to tell you, God wants to bring healing to that marriage. God wants to bring restoration. God wants to bring transformation because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a miracle-working God. So Jesus waited till the fourth day, and then Jesus showed up. Martha said, Jesus, you weren't here. We wish you were here, but we know you're here now. Do something, Lord. The Bible says in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to ask you that question today. Do you believe that? That's the question Jesus is asking me and you. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe this? That I can do this miracle? That I can do this supernatural miracle? And the Bible says, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And you know what I want? You know, one of the thoughts that was on my heart today, maybe some of you, you feel like quitting. Maybe some of you, I don't know what we're going through today. But you know what we have to do? We have to tap into our history with God. For those who have been saved any length of time, and I know there's some people, maybe you don't know the Lord, you're, maybe your first time here. But for those that you know the Lord, we need to tap into our history with God. And what I mean by that is what did God do five years ago? What did God do ten years ago? What did God do 20 years ago? I was thinking about when I, as a, as a young boy, when God touched me, thinking about a teenager when God touched me again. I was thinking about a young man when God touched my life. I was thinking about right now my history with God. But you have a history with God. You have a unique history just the way you, your, your finger is, is unique. The imprint is unique. Your history with God is unique. There's, the, there's not a method that works for everyone. It's, it's not a method. What is it? It's the mission of the Holy Spirit that works inside of our life. But we have to tap into our history with God. I think about David when he was in so much distress and when uh, he was in a place where he, everyone wanted to kill him. The Bible says that, that David, what did he do? He said, that he cried out to the Lord and he strengthened himself and the Lord his God. Today we need to strengthen ourselves in, in, in our history with God. Saying, God, I'm coming to you humble. I'm coming to you, Lord. I need a miracle. I need a, I need a transformation, God. I need you to do what you do best, Lord. And I, I, I lay all down at your feet. Christ is with us. The Bible says in John eleven thirty three. He says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, when he saw her weeping, how many of us these last two weeks you've wept, you've cried? And the Jews who came to her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We read all throughout scriptures, but this right here, our God, our Lord, our Savior, Emmanuel, our King of Kings, the line of the tribe of Judah, our Redeemer, our refuge, he wept. Other men and women in the Bible who wept, we read about Jacob, he wept when he fought for his life against the angel. The Bible says in the book of Hosea, chapter 12, and verse 4, that Jacob, he wept 
in this wrestling match against this angel. But as he was wrestling with that angel, the Bible says he's wrestling with him. And he was in a place in his life where he was running from his brother Esau for many years. He didn't want his brother Esau, we know he wanted to kill him. He was running from his brother. And the Bible says that he was wrestling this angel. And his brother Esau was on his way. All of us who are reading through the Bible, this should be very fresh in our memory. His brother was on his way and the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with him. And, but then all of a sudden, that angel, he dislocated his thigh socket. And all of a sudden, Jacob could no longer run from his brother. And now he was walking with a gangster limp. He was walking with a gangster limp. You know, he was walking with a limp. This heartache, this weeping caused him to stop running. See, every time we're in a place where we're weeping, God is doing something for our destiny. Somebody's saying, why are you doing this, God? Why this and why that? You know, God is in the, he's doing something. As Romans chapter 8 says, we, we know that all things work together for the good to those who are called by God, to those who love him. Even when something feels dislocated and out of, out of, out of sync and out of socket and it, and it bugs you. But what did this do? It stopped Jacob from running. And that night he met his brother. And he thought his brother was going to kill him. And what did his brother do? His brother hugged him. And all of a sudden this family feud that went on for years and years and years. There was reconciliation. And there was healing. And one night when God dislocated the socket of Jacob, he was no longer Jacob. But now he was Israel, a prince with God. He got a new name. A new name that angel gave him. Jacob said, bless me. He said, what's your name? Jacob. You're no longer going to be called Jacob. Now you're going to be called Israel, a prince with God. He wept. God is up to something, even in our weeping. You read about Joseph. He wept. His brothers sold him as a slave. He wept. You think about David. He wept. You think about King Hezekiah. He wept. But the greatest of all greatest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus, he wept. The Bible says in verse 38, as the worship team makes their way up, Jesus again groaning in himself, verse 38, groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. This guy was already in the coffin. He was already six feet deep. This, he wasn't six feet deep. He was in this cave, huge stone over it. Take away the stone. Martha, the, the sister of him, who was dead, she said, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell, say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you're all, you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, 
loosen him and let him go. Right here in this text, we see something really interesting. I never noticed it before. Maybe you have noticed it, but I never noticed that Martha said, Lord, you know, don't do it. There's a, there's a stench. Don't, don't move that rock, Lord. And have you ever been in a place where, where for your life, things have gotten kind of stinky? And we're like, Jesus, you can't really help this. You know, this is beyond you. This, it's dead already, Lord. You, you can't do that miracle. You, you, can, you can never move in this way. And there's a stench in our lives. And I remember as a young man, I felt that stench. I said, God, you can never use me. I'm damaged goods. You can never use somebody like me. I was 23 years old. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an attorney. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to write. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a lot of money, and that's how I'm going to help out my dad, who was a pastor. Because there was too much of a stench. And I remember one service, I was sitting all the way in the back. No disrespect to those who are sitting in the back. I was sitting all the way in the back with my wife. My son was just a baby. My son, Danny, going to be 18. And I remember Pastor Ruben Sandoval Sr. was preaching. And I remember he said, Danny, come over here. And I remember as I walked up to the altar, he looked at me and he said, you know what, you feel like the anointing's gone. You feel like God can't do anything through your life. You feel like it's over for you. He said, you know what, I want to tell you that God says he's still going to use your life. God's going to still help your life. God's still going to restore your life. God's still going to do that your life. And all of a sudden, that dead stench, all of a sudden, the grace, the mercy, the strength, the encouragement of God, that dream that was dead in the tomb, it began to just become alive again. And I remember, I was all of a sudden, I was like, man, I, I could be a pastor. At first, they made me an usher, and I was just an usher. I cleaned toilets. But I cleaned them to my best ability. I was like, oh, I'm going to clean these toilets really nice. It's for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And I'm just thankful I could clean this toilet for Jesus. And then I said, hey, can you... Um, do a Bible study in Porterville. And I remember going, I started doing a Bible study over there. And man, six months later, they were, I, was, I was there and I got sent out there in the Norwalk Church to go pastor in, in Porterville, California. I still remember right there, the calling of God. And I don't even know why I'm saying this today. I, some of you, you think your prodigal son could never get saved. There's a stench. You say, you don't know the text messages I'm getting past today. You don't know what's going on in this situation. Some of you, your marriage, you go, it's, it's dead. It's a dead marriage. It's it just, it, you, there's a stench. But what did Jesus say? Do you believe? And sometimes he delays. He delays. And we're like, God, what are you doing? I don't know why you're delaying things, Lord. You should have already been here two weeks ago. My stimulus check should have came four weeks ago. And you're like, you're just delaying and delaying and delaying. But you know, when he comes, he's on time. When he comes, he's on time. See, there's been times in my life where I'm like, Jesus, you're late. Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, I don't understand. But let me say this. When he shows up, he shows off. When he shows up, he shows off. 
and he, he says, you know what, you thought that was good, you thought your plan was good, but look at my plan. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, so great are my plans, is my word, are my thoughts above your thoughts. So right now we got our thoughts, but let me say God's thoughts are greater than your thoughts. God's, God's thoughts are greater than Danny's thoughts. God's thoughts are greater. God's thoughts are greater. God's thoughts are greater. If we would just surrender to him, humbly say, Jesus, I need you inside of my life. And I surrender my life to you. He's going to show off. The Bible says in verse 25 of our text, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And today, Remnant Church, I want to ask you the question. I want to ask you the question, do you believe him? Do I believe him? That he is who he said he is. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And that he's faithful and that he's able, and that he's generous, that he's loving, that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he is the I am, the I am, the resurrection and the life. If you believe it, while we worship, while we stand today, while we give him glory right now, hallelujah.